welcome to Intersections, the RIT podcast. In this episode, Jill Bradbury, Chair of the Department of Performing Arts in RIT's National Technical Institute for the Deaf, and Andy Head, Assistant Professor in the Department of Performing Arts in RIT's College of Liberal Arts, discuss what the recent collaboration between the theater departments of NTID and CLA will mean, including more inclusive and accessible theater experiences for audience members with varying disabilities. And so your position is really unique and you sort of straddle both departments and you've had a really good perspective on how this collaboration has developed between NTID and CLA. Both departments are the performing arts here and they have a lot of the similar goals and a lot of similar missions. And it seems like if we are all sharing resources and sharing people and spaces that we could benefit both programs. And so things have just developed over the last couple of years and the collaboration has gotten stronger and really grown, grown in in the last couple of years since I've been here. Like you're right that both programs do have a lot of similar missions and strengths, but we also do have our unique aspects and our differences. NTID has a 55-year history of performing arts at RIT, and really performing arts started in NTID. We definitely have that solid foundation, and it makes sense for us to keep working together like we have been the past few years. I think for me also, you know, it's a deaf person who's involved with deaf theater primarily, but I do see that most of the career opportunities for deaf and hard of hearing people are in mainstream, in hearing theaters. There's only a few deaf theaters active across the country and there's limited opportunities. So we want people to go out and get work and those opportunities are going to be in hearing theaters. So for us, for our deaf and hard of hearing students, at NTID and also those who are enrolled directly into RIT, we want them to be prepared for this um, integrated deaf hearing experience. Yeah, definitely. What would you say is your vision for the future of how these two departments can continue to collaborate? Well, like I said, I think we both have strength and we want to build on those strengths and avoid overlaps. For example, NTID has a curriculum um, focused on technical theater, whereas CLA has more of the um, acting and performance focused classes and musical theater. And so I see us working kind of in parallel to continue to build on those strengths. And I, I'm really excited about the possibility of a major in technical design and construction for the performing arts within NTID. So that's one example. Um, I can see our major in our department, our students taking courses in CLA that will broaden the, their focus and their understanding of the performing arts. Um, and I can see you know, CLA students, I can see those students coming to NDID and learning about accessibility and inclusion through our classes and through the experience of being involved in our production. So definitely like a continuation of what we've been doing, just continuing to grow and support a strong performing arts ecosystem here at RIT. Yeah, I I like what you said about how people from CLA can reach out to those at NTID to learn more about accessibility. And I've even seen that happen in the last year or so, specifically as theater has had to evolve and take on more of a digital personality to deal with the effects of COVID. And so people from CLA really being interested in how do we still create that accessibility 
in an online platform. Right. And our, you know, our conversation about the possibility of doing some kind of hybrid in-person production with digital elements, how we can provide accessibility in that production. I think that instant question that came up, what about captioning? What about accessibility? I think that kind of conversation doesn't happen unless you have deaf and hearing people both in the room at the table talking about making these kinds of production decisions. I think on a more on a more general level, theater is one of the most of the collaborative art forms. You know, you can't do a production by yourself. And so I really try to emphasize to the students how it takes all of us. And one thing that you just said a couple minutes ago about how a lot of deaf and hard of hearing actors and people who are theater artists are working mostly in mainstream hearing theater. And I think that one of the great things about our collaborative productions is it offers students a pretty intense period of cross-cultural collaboration. And you have uh, many hearing students who have never met a deaf person, who have never seen sign language, especially if they're a first year or a second year student, and suddenly they're plopped into a show and they're needing to work with someone to create a character together and the way that they sort of navigate that relationship. You know, I came from a place where I didn't meet anyone who was deaf until I was in my mid twenties. And so I think that there are a lot of hearing people who just have absolutely no idea about ASL or deaf culture or deaf people. And so I think there's a real learning experience for the hearing students, but then also for the deaf students, I think one of the things that our productions really try to do is fit those students into the production in a way that makes it accessible for them and it makes it inclusive for them. So taking a character and saying, okay, this character was likely written to be a hearing person and now we are going to make them a deaf person. So how does that change their lines? But also how does that change their character? And so that the students are able to incorporate aspects of their own life and their own experience into creating this character, which is probably now done in a way that that character has never been done before. I think that it gives those students a way to add a part of themselves into the story. A lot of the deaf students that I work with, they say, yeah, when I did theater before getting here, I was the only deaf person. And so I was usually just kind of hidden in the back. And now we're taking them from the back and we're putting them into the main roles so that they're really spotlighted and, and highlighted on stage. So I think that that's a major change for them to be like, what, I get to be the person who is the lead role now? And I think that for the students that I've worked with, that's been a really, a really important thing for them. And I think that there are a lot of different ways to try to incorporate that on stage. Shadowing is one example but it's not the only example. And so with each production, we're trying different things and we're trying to see, you know, what works better for different audiences and people give us their feedback. And then we think about that and try to incorporate that into future productions. And the other thing I think is beneficial too in combining hearing and deaf students is also that you know, hearing students get to see what a range of deaf identities there are. And that's, you know, very typical of NTID that we now have almost 50% new students who come from mainstream background who don't know sign language, um, who use cochlear implants, and, you know, 50% from more traditional um, deaf institute backgrounds. And so it really is, like there's really, it's not just one way of being deaf, right? And so I think it's great that we have that range of life experiences on our stages and in the mix of the student interaction. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's a really important point because I do think that there is an assumption from most hearing people who have not met a deaf person that all deaf people are are the same. And I think that that is is really important for them to learn through this process. Right. And so we're also doing some really exciting things to um, explore accessibility for blind and deaf blind audiences. Can you talk a little bit about what we're working on? We have a very exciting lobby display, which is different than anyone that we've had as long as I've been here. And we're adding a tactile exhibit. And so that will be for any audience members who are blind or deafblind or low vision. And anyone else who wants to experience that exhibit can come and we'll have several costumes from the characters who are there. So audience members can sort of feel the textures and the shapes. Um, and the sizes. We're having a 3D model of the set that will be printed. That I think is very exciting. We also will have uh, little info cards that will be created in Braille and our program is being adapted to be printed in Braille. And then one of our performances is we're we're holding space for uh, deafblind patrons who uh, we will have certified deaf interpreters who will be there um, to interpret the show. We're also going to be hosting a touch tour before the show. So audience members can go up on the stage, sort of feel the texture of the set. And all of that is, is new to me, not only as a director, but just as a person. So I'm excited to see how those things impact the audience members. There's this tension between accessibility and inclusion and in that accessibility is guaranteeing access to experiences that are not designed for you, whereas inclusion is creating experiences that are designed for you, right? And so obviously inclusion is preferred, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't work on improving accessibility. We may not always be able to host a tactile play, for example, but we might be able to host a tactile play and then alternatively another time provide a accessible theatrical performance, right? So I'm trying to pursue both paths at once. I'm working on another NEA grant project for another uh, deafline tactile project. And then I'm wanting to work on this tactile exhibit, and explore how we might provide better access for deafline, for close vision, and also for blind audiences too. I think that's not something that we at the NTID Performing Arts Department have thought about really. Um, uh, what about our blind hearing patrons? What can we do to improve their experiences? And so one of the things that I looked into was audio description, but I'm hoping that we will be able to bring in an expert next semester who can train some people at RIT to be able to do audio description and then we can make that part of our shows in the future. One of the things I would, I'm hoping that we can do as a department maybe um, for Imagine RIT is to explore some of the techniques uh, that came out of the DeafBlind Theater Institute and see how those might be integrated into theater for hearing and for sighted audiences, you know, the, the emphasis on the other senses taste and smell and movement, um, how we might be able to kind of create a unique theatrical experience and immersive theatrical experiences for all audiences that would be designed to be accessible and inclusive of deafblind, but could also be something that hearing and sighting people could experience and might give them a very different kind of theatrical experience. Mm -hmm. 
you discussed deafblind patrons and blind patrons and the audio description. Is there, are there any other accessibility features that, that you want to set up moving forward in the next couple of years? Yeah, so I actually would like us to see us um, explore doing some relaxed performances, um, which are performances that are designed for um, autistic audiences. Um, I think there's just a, there's a lot of really interesting um, things happening in inclusive theater, and I would like to see us explore some more of them. I would like to see us host a conference on disability and dance, and also disability and technology, and how those might be integrated to provide more accessibility and inclusion in the performing arts. I think that the department has an opportunity to be a clear leader in this field, and that's something that I think we can really offer to the theater community more broadly, that I think a lot of people in the uh, professional theater world are interested in providing more accessible experiences for deaf and hard of hearing audiences, um, but they don't know how. And we have that knowledge and expertise here. And so I would like to see us get it out there in the public more definitely. For example, like we know how to design costumes and, and sets for, for people who rely on visual communication. That's something that not every person who does costume design is aware of. So that's just one example, I think, of how we have the expertise in our department to really become leaders um, in the field. We're just seeing more excitement about the performing arts, more emphasis on the performing arts. We have new new spaces which are being created on campus. We have the, the new renovations for the NTID performing arts area. What I'm excited about is a place where theater is sort of starting to get more recognition and in the performing arts in general, not just theater, including dance in there and music in there as well. Because when people think about RIT and NTID, it's a technical school. You don't think about the performing arts. So I think it's great that that we're starting to cultivate this real excitement for it on campus. Yes, and people may not realize how much technology is actually involved in the performing arts too, from you know set design, um, set construction, costume design, costume construction. Those skills um, really are technical skills at their basis. But then also growing importance of multimedia in the performing arts of projections of um, augmented reality experiences and and so forth so really we are a perfect place to grow a major that explores all of those different applications of technology in the arts thank you for listening to intersections the rit podcast a production of rit marketing and communications to learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, subscribe to Intersections on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or SoundCloud, or by visiting www.rit.edu news podcasts.